you know, the youth, it's so cool. We get to work with the, the young people and to hear them speak our language. I don't think it gets any better than that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Native Minnesota, a podcast about the Native American experience in Minnesota and beyond. I'm your host, Rebecca Crook Stratton, Secretary Treasurer of the Shakopee Midwakton Sioux Community, or the SMSC. The podcast is a project of Understand Native Minnesota, a campaign focused on improving the narrative about Native Americans in Minnesota's public schools. Today, I'm joined by Andy Vig. Andy is an enrolled member of our tribe who played a large role in the planning and development of the SMSC's cultural center, Hochokadati, and its public exhibit, Midwakatan Dwellers of the Spirit Lake, which opened in 2019. Andy is now the director of Hochokadati, overseeing its staff, operations, and programming, but he still finds time to lead tours of the public exhibit himself. In this episode, we talk about how Hochokadati came to be and Andy's passion for Dakota language, art, and cultural preservation and revitalization. And for people watching the video version of this episode, we go on a brief walking tour of the public exhibit where Andy points out some highlights. You can find the video version at understandnativemn.org slash podcast. Enjoy. Today, I'm here with Andy Vig, the director at Hochokadati. Um, Andy, thanks so much for being here. Uh, Hochokadati is the building we're sitting in. Uh, you had a large role to play in uh, getting this building up and running. Can you tell our, our listeners a little bit about Hochokadati, what it means and the significance of the building? Yeah, well, thanks for having me here. Um, just really an honor to be with you, uh, Rebecca, as our, uh, one of our leaders. But Certainly, uh, this building was a long uh, time coming from the community, um, but the building name is Hochokata T, which means the lodge at the center of the camp. Um, you know, we opened in 2019, as you remember, and, um, you know, I think we did a lot of planning. I think maybe even 20 years uh, went into the planning. So, um, but really a, a home for our community, a cultural center. Uh, the way we designed it up top with the public in mind, with our public exhibit, um, but with all the great programming opportunities we have throughout the building. It's just been great. And so, You know, I, I should back up a little bit because um, I think the our listeners would like to know a little bit more about you, your role in the community, um, and kind of maybe how you came to be the director of Hochokarati. Yeah, well, you know, us growing up together, we've been involved in the community. Um, basically our whole lives. But, um, you know, I really started uh, getting more involved, I think, after college and uh, I was drawn to language. And so um, I think that's really uh, what set me on a path to be involved with with the building here, knowing that we needed uh, a building to, to have language classes and to bring people together. Um, so I, I got involved uh, about well, 10 years ago, a little bit more on the culture and history preservation work group. And that was a great uh, cross-section of our membership, um, you know, young and old. Um, I shouldn't say old, but uh, older members and uh, a lot of the families, you know, that were involved. So, um, yeah, and once the building opened, we have amazing staff here. Um, and uh, the director position opened up uh, after a few years. 
And um, I think there was just a, a need uh, for somebody who knew the whole building and, and maybe the, you know, the things that we we're wanting to work on. So I, I took the role about a year and a half ago. Um, I know for me personally, Hochokarati, it's an amazing place and it's so wonderful to see, you know, the building filled with our community members doing a variety of programs and hosting meetings. Uh, our general council has a home that's going to last for a long time. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the programming and, and events that happen here at Hochokarati? Yeah. So we, as you know, have many events uh, throughout the year. Um, I estimate, you know, about 70 events a year that, uh, that are held here in the place of gathering. Um, but we have daily programming and, and you've seen a lot of those things. Uh, our Dakota language, uh, we have a pottery studio. Um, we do sewing, um, beading, quill work, um, just so many great uh, things that our, our people do. And so, um, but we, we also hold, you know, public events uh, from time to time like our uh, art market. Uh, we did just have a, a public powwow, which was very uh, popular, or what cheapy. Um, but yeah, uh, cooking classes, uh, uh, community meals, you know, with our dining room, just just a lot of different things that we get to do. So and This building has so many unique opportunities. Um, the community was very intentional, too, about the landscaping around the building and some of the the things the natural world has to offer us. Yeah, it's really set in a beautiful place here with our prairie grass surrounding uh, the whole building. And uh, I always, you know, look at the building as the front of it is actually out the back of the building. It's, uh, you know, so many of our buildings are surrounded by parking lots and that. But, um, but yeah, there's so much knowledge out there. And uh, with the the uh, site here, there's roughly 60 acres with walking trails, archery, um, and then, of course, the, the water that's out back there. We're trying to incorporate uh, some of the teachings out there as well. So, One of the public spaces here at Hochokarati is the uh, exhibit, which is Midwakatin, uh, Dwellers of the Spirit Lake. And um, it's a really amazing opportunity to showcase Dakota history and culture um, and some present day information with the general public. Can you talk a little bit about the exhibit and um, what it has to offer? Well, how much time do we got? <laughs> you get me started here. Um, you know, it's a relatively small exhibit, uh, roughly 4,000 square feet. And as you know, our Dakota story, it's not maybe really a story, but our Dakota um, lifeways, the things that our people uh, have went through for thousands of years, we tried to capture it and tell it from our lens. And so that's really what's made it uh pretty unique um, compared to some of the other exhibits that are out there. Um, but yeah, it starts with our creation stories. Uh, it was designed with a timeline in mind and uh, you go into pre-contact era. We also tell the, the, uh, the seasons. So these beautiful seasons we have in, in this area. Um, but yeah, really we go into the fur trade era, the treaty era and uh, the dark chapter and our, uh, Minnesota history with the war. Um, but then we look at boarding schools, uh, early reservation life. And I think what our exhibit really uh, is known for, it shows at the end what our tribe is doing today and our people that were still here. 
And so you just don't see that in a lot of books and different things. So that's really been a, a great highlight. And I should also mention when we went to write the exhibit and to work on it, our work group and our community members, uh, we all got together and wrote that. And so we didn't have help, but um, it, it was many voices, you know, from our community. And so they, we really worked hard on it. You know that. No, it's a wonderful exhibit. I, you know, I love that it starts out with the creation story and kind of that teepee uh, sort of feel and, and the digital art is really beautiful. But I think the exhibit as a whole is really powerful. I mean, I remember the first time I really walked through it, um, you know, there were some spots where it caught my breath and, you know, definitely brought up some emotions and some tears even in some cases. So um, yeah, I encourage people. It is open to the general public. Uh, so, and, and school groups. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're kind of still running on limited hours, but it's, uh, like Wednesday through Saturday, 10 to, to four. Um, but certainly the schools have been showing up and, uh, the general public, and it's just been a, a great, um, educational tool to use. And so, yeah, the public is, is welcome. And, um, We've got to meet so many great people. So, yeah, we we definitely it's a great asset to have in the community to share a little bit more about Dakota people. Um, so, in addition to the exhibit, uh, we get to do some really fun things. And you're working on uh, a project right now or an event, a Dakota Language Bowl. Um, you've been very involved with the language over the years. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the language programming in here and, and kind of how it started? Yeah. Um, well, I should mention, yeah, that language bowl is, is uh, we think, going to be May 20th here, 2023. So uh, pretty soon. Um, but really, uh, you know, we've wanted to do a lot uh, of these uh, things with language and, and we're doing them finally. And um, really, I think where it really took off was about five years ago when the SMSC supported the Voices of Our Ancestors program. And that was an effort to get uh, more teachers. And we worked with four other Dakota colleges. Uh, from there, we, we produced some pretty high level speakers, even within our community here. And, um, and yeah, now they're continuing on the, that work and, and we do have quite a few, we did, uh, kind of a, um, a look at how many of our members really have language, high level language skills and there. There is a lot. And so trying to bring us together and then, um, you know, the youth, it's so cool. We get to work with the, the young people and to hear them speak our language. I don't think it gets any better than that. So. Great. Well, I'm excited uh, for the the first ever language bowl yeah. hosted uh, here at the Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux community. Um, that'll be a great event. Um, so, in addition to your work with uh, Dakota language and um, teaching and supporting, uh, but also being a student, uh, you also have a lot of other interests around. Um, our culture and, and tradition. I know you're into the arts. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the work you've been doing? Yeah, well, I, I'm not formally trained, but I, I like to work with all different mediums. And as a young person, I, I thought I would, that was my, uh, my path that I was going to be an artist. And, you know, you just got to find the time to really work on some of those things. 
Um, but yeah, I've done beading projects. Um, they had me in uh, to teach a par fletch box class, which was fun. You know, some of it is self-taught, but, um, you know, learning from our members too, or our family members, you know, that that's really powerful. And we're seeing that here in this building. Um, but yeah, I, I guess uh, I'm not a high level, uh, you know, with beating and stuff, but I, I do have some pretty cool projects. So um, just got to find the time. Yes, I know. Time is always the hardest thing. Um, so in addition to, you know, everything that we've talked about so far, we've got a really wonderful gift shop that showcases um, a lot of different native art. You want to tell us a little bit about the gift shop and what we can find there? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great uh, space. Um, you know, it's smaller than we really wanted, but um, you know, there, there's over 90, now we have up to, I think 90 native American artists or business owners. And so uh, really giving them a, a platform or a stage to sell some of their items that they make. These companies are just fantastic. I mean, um, a lot of them are local, but um, we even work with, with some folks in Canada. Um, but we, we try to focus mainly on our Dakota or Ocheti Shakoi artists. Um, but certainly we have a lot of Ojibwe, Anishinaabe, um, but then just other tribes, you know, all over the country. So, um, yeah, it's been a really a nice thing. And I should mention, too, especially with the visitors that come, we have such a great uh, selection of books, the Native American authors. Um, and, that, and that's been really popular. People want to take something with them when they leave. So, If you visit Hojokatiti, be sure to check out its gift shop, which features a variety of Native-made art, books, music, beaded and quilled items, and craft supplies that build upon the Cultural Center's mission to educate visitors about the Dakota people. Whether you need the perfect gift, are decorating your home or office, or just want something uniquely you, the Hochokata Tea Gift Shop is filled with the perfect art and accessories. With an ever-changing selection of new products, the gift shop always has something new and exciting, with one-of-a-kind gifts for anyone from toddlers to seniors. Visit hochokatatea.org to plan your visit. Now, back to our episode. No, I love popping in there to grab a quick gift or maybe even gift myself a new pair of earrings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I love our gift shop. Um, Is there anything else about the building that you think listeners would enjoy hearing about? I mean, maybe we should walk through some of the the spaces. and. Well, um, as you know, you know, the uh, collection that we have here is uh, very large. And I think we always did a good job of taking care of it. But when this building was built, our collection now is closer to our members so we can learn from those things. And um, a lot of those are our our family items, you know. So um, and and maybe one of the cool things that we're doing now is uh, through our acquisition budget and stuff that we have, we're acquiring uh, items that are made today and items that are going to be made tomorrow. because. That, you know, is history too. I mean, we need to, to show that and support our artists and our people, you know. Um, you know, sometimes we, we kind of think, is that really a concept to, you know, Dakota concept to save these things? And I think um, we just know that they're important to us and our families have their, their personal items that they keep at their homes and close to them. But uh, we, we have this great place to protect them. 
So Yeah, I, our collection is really beautiful, and hopefully someday we'll be able to share it more broadly, too. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most striking features of this building is the seven teepees across yeah. the back. And as Native people, you know, we're obviously resilient, but we're innovative, and um, we we like to bring things up um, up to date and modern. And three of those teepees uh, are, well, they're canvas. They right. have canvas, but they're air conditioned. Yeah. They're heated. They have really amazing glass in them. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the teepees? Yeah, um, they're phenomenal. Uh, you know, it, sometimes I got to pinch myself and maybe you do too when you come into this building. It's just so beautiful. But uh, even from the roadway, you can see those teepees. I think they're about 90 uh, feet high. But really those seven, you know, represent the Ocheti Shakoi and uh, the Medewakantuan is one of those. And that just so happens within the camp when you uh, flatten those out linear uh, Medewakantans in the center. And that happens to be our Dakota language teepee. But, um, but yeah, the outdoor, the open air ones, there's four open air ones and, and then they're just nice to be out there. Uh, we, we do have activity or uh, events out there and utilize them. Uh, the birds like to land on top too. That's kind of funny. And, uh, when it rains, you know, the inside ones, they are dual lined with that material, but, um, you can hear the rain coming and, uh, the wind and all that. Um, but a panoramic view, you know, it makes you feel like you're out there. And, um, you know, a lot of our language, we're just talking about what's, what's out there with the weather and our, you know, the animals and all that, the food. So really, they're really nice. Yeah. yeah, They are. It's a really striking feature of the, the building. So one of the big parts of this building is to have a place for the community to gather, um, to be together. And we opened right before the pandemic, um, which really prevented us from gathering. But now that we're on the other side, um, talk a little bit about how important it is for, for us to be together as community and, and some of the things we can share when we are able to come together. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think that one of the biggest things is uh, with our Dakota um, cultures, you know, the oral teachings that we have and really needing to be together uh, to learn, you know, to learn our languages, to learn, you know, how we, um, you know, how we prepare food. Um, how we make things that are important to our culture. Um, but then just to be together to celebrate, you know, our Wachipi, just a great time to, um, you know, to, to hear our songs, uh, to see our dance, uh, dance uh, dancers, you know, and our youth, you know, just the friendships that they make. And, you know, we grew up uh, running around the neighborhoods and I, I just don't know if, if uh, we're seeing as much of that. But to encourage them to come here, you, you get to see them uh, interact with each other. And that's really nice to build those relationships. And a lot of them are cousins, you know, they just uh, sometimes they, they don't get to spend enough time with each other. So, yeah, this building just it provides a lot of opportunity for our community. It's really exciting. We're actually going to do a little walking tour and show a little bit of the exhibit here. So. Um, anything else before we wrap up and, and take the show on the road? No, I just, uh, just happy we have a home for our community to come together. Me too. 
Thank you for joining me for the Native Minnesota podcast. For more episodes, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also visit our website, understandnativemn.org, to learn more about our campaign's work to improve the Native narrative in Minnesota's public schools.